You're now listening to the Stouffville Pentecostal Church audio podcast. We hope you enjoyed today's message. Our message today was preached by our lead pastor, Pastor Jeff Laird. Have a listen. We're in our, uh, our summer series. It's a 10-part summer series, and today is number seven. We've been doing a summer series called Subject to Change, and it's, uh, it's looking at people in the Bible who were sheltered for a time, uh, and great change was brought into their lives. And so we've been looking at these characters and basically asking and seeing how did they react, how did they respond, and what can we learn uh, through it all as we go through our COVID uh, sort of sheltering time of change. And don't miss this, it is a time of change. It's not going to be the same. Things have changed. Uh, just before we get going, too, if you're watching online and you're uh, watching for the first time or you need prayer, there's a little button down there, and you'll see it says prayer requests. And if you click that button, there is somebody live on the other end. And if you type in a prayer request, they will type you right back, and they're ready to engage with you if, uh, if you're uh, interested in prayer, we're interested in praying. So take note of that uh, button. That's a powerful button. So uh, press it and see what happens. And uh, look, look forward um, to just contacting anybody. Always reach out to the church through our email, through our website, and uh, we will reach back out to you. You know, through all of this, through all of this, we do not want our lives, we do not want our church to be growing cold or complacent, amen? We, we have to find a way to grow in effectiveness. We have to find a way to grow in power, that our world has changed and uh, we're going to have to adapt and change as well. We've got to pray, we've got to stay close to Jesus We've got to lean into the Holy Spirit as much as we possibly can to allow him to guide us into effective, powerful ministry in the days to come. And mark my words, folks, there is powerful ministry yet to come in this church, in our town, in all of our lives, in all of our churches. There is lots of ministry left to come. It ain't over yet. So Daniel today... Daniel is, I know you all know, uh, most of you would know the story of Daniel in the lion's den, and we'll touch on that uh, towards the end. But to set up Daniel, uh, at least my take on these characters is, is I've been looking at the bigger picture to see what did these characters show and display throughout their lives on a regular, consistent basis even when they were sheltered, even when change was forced upon them, even when things weren't so good, what were they displaying that we can take and use for, uh, for our purposes? And Daniel is a great example of, of someone who prospered during a time of difficulty. Did you know that Daniel was taken captive? The Babylonian Empire came in and they and they they wiped out uh, Israel and Judah, and they they took Daniel and a bunch of other people captive back to their homeland. Now, when Daniel was taken, I don't know if you know, but he was he was a kid. 
Most people think he was about 14, maybe 15 years old, and he was taken. And it could have made him very easily, could have made him bitter, could have made him angry, but instead he prospered. He dug into God, and he excelled in a very challenging situation. Uh, How did he do it? And how can we prosper in this unique time? That's what we're going to look at today. And as I sometimes say, I'm glad you asked. So how are we going to do this uh, through the life of Daniel? He shows very, very, very clearly three sort of simple things, but I think they're profound if we can live them out. The first is this. Daniel had courage. He had a lot of courage. I want to read a couple of passages. Daniel Uh, Chapter 1, verses 3 to 5. If you can put that up for me. It says this. Then the king ordered Ashpenaz, his chief of staff, to bring to the palace uh, some of the young men of Judah's royal family and other noble families who had been brought to Babylon as captives. Select only strong, healthy, and good-looking young men, he said. Okay. Uh, They have to be good-looking, too. Yeah. Make sure they're well-versed in every branch of learning. They're gifted with knowledge and good judgment, and they're suited to serve in the royal palace. Train these young men in the language and the literature of Babylon. The king assigned them a daily ration of food and wine from his own kitchens. They were to be trained for three years, and then they would enter the royal service. And so Daniel and his three friends, as you would know them, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they are taken. They're part of the royal family. They're in the royal line. And uh, the, the, the king snatches them and takes them. And now they're in training for three years. They have, now, Daniel has a problem, though, with the food. Look at uh, Daniel chapter 1, verse 8. And here's, uh, here's the gist of the story. But Daniel was determined not to defile himself by eating the food and wine given to them by the king. Uh, He asked the chief of staff for permission not to eat these unacceptable foods. Now, God had given the chief of staff both respect and affection for Daniel. But he responded, I'm afraid of my lord, the king, who has ordered that you eat this food and wine. If you become pale and thin compared to the other youths your age, I'm afraid the king will have me beheaded. Daniel spoke with the attendant who had been appointed by the chief of staff to look after Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. These, are, these were the new Babylonian names or to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, right? So same guys. So please test us for 10 days on a diet of vegetables and water, Daniel said. At the end of the 10 days, see how we look compared to the other young men who are eating the king's food. Then make your decision in light of what you see. The attendant agreed to Daniel's suggestion, tested them for 10 days. At the end of the 10 days, Daniel and his three friends looked healthier and better nourished than the young men who had been eating the food assigned by the king. So after that, the attendant fed them only vegetables instead of the food and wine provided for the others. So from a very young age, he's a kid, remember, he's like 15 years old. From a very young age, he shows great courage in a very, very difficult and tricky situation. The king's policy 
was to train the best people from the lands that he had conquered. And so Daniel and his three friends were taken. They're trained for three years. They're taught a new language. They're taught a new culture. They're given access to all the available learning that is there. They're even given new names. And the goal, of course, from Nebuchadnezzar's point of view, was to transform these Jewish boys into useful Babylonian officials who would serve the king and serve him well. And so Daniel, you have to understand, Daniel showed incredible courage asking for different food. Now, I know that that doesn't seem like maybe great courage, but you have to understand, in those days, if you looked at the king wrong, your head came off. And so for a 15-year-old kid to ask the most powerful king on the planet and say, no, I think I'll pass on your food. There's, there's, a, there's a chance, a good one, that his head will not be on top of his shoulders very long, right? He's taking a huge risk. Daniel is going to accept their education. He's going to accept their language. He's going to even accept the new name that they gave him, Belshazzar. But he's not going to defile himself and eat unclean food. The king was a Gentile. And so on, when Daniel goes in and sees this table full of food, he sees all kinds of things that he knows that he can't eat as a, as a Jew. And so he, he's in a dilemma. And so he comes up with this idea. Now, just think about it. He could have... He, he could have, to get at, just to stay out of trouble, he could have got along with it. But he absolutely wasn't willing to compromise. He was, he was willing to take all these things, the education, the language, all this stuff, but he was not willing to compromise on things that he believed was against his service to, to, to Jesus. So remember, he's 15, and he's facing the most powerful king on the planet. So it just reminded me again that we... We can be conformers or we can be transformers. And I I think that Daniel shows us and his three friends, they show us a great example of the difference. See, a conformer is a person whose life is controlled by the pressure that is applied to them from the outside. So whatever that pressure is on the outside, that's what the conformer will be. Oh, if that's the kind of food, you know, when in Rome kind of thing, right? A conformer conforms. But a transformer is a person whose whose life is controlled from power from the inside, not from the outside. And so God's people, again, I remind us all, we we are to resist the pressure of conformity that the world is trying to put on us. And we all feel it. We all feel the pressure around us to conform. All of us feel it. Sometimes when you're younger, you feel it more. But even those of us who are old, me, we still feel it. We still feel it. Romans 12.1.2, you know, it says, don't let the world squeeze you into conformity but let the Holy Spirit transform you into a new person from the inside by the way you think that you're a transformer. You live by the power that is on the inside. You don't live by the pressure that's on the outside. And this this is a huge difference. So these four young boys are transformers. 
They literally are transformers. Instead of being changed by their situation, they actually brought change into their situation. He says, hey, wait a minute. I'm not going to eat that food. Hey, and by the way, it's not that Daniel was a vegetarian, by the way. He ate meat later. But this, this was like, I can't eat that stuff. So if you just let me eat what I, you know, I want to eat, put me to the test, Daniel brings change into the situation. And it just got me thinking again, to face the problems of our world now that, w- that all of us are going through with, a, with a, transform of, a, a transformer perspective, I should say. We're going to need courage. We're going to need courage. We are in short supply of courage. We are afraid of a lot of things. Don't say amen, just say yeah. You know, like fear is such a debilitating thing in our lives. It cripples us. It stops us. It just shortens everything that we could do, who we could become, the ministry we could be involved in. It shortens us and makes us smaller. And we've got to ask God for courage to overcome. We've got to ask him for courage to face our issues, to face our dysfunction, to face our world, to face the enemy, to face the pressure of conformity and become the transformer that God's called us to be. Somebody said amen. This this is true of all of us. It's true of all of us. You know, we sometimes know what to do, but we just can't find the courage to do it. These four young boys showed courage again and again and again. Daniel, we're going to get there quick. I'm trying to sum up a a, a whole man's life in 30 minutes here. But at the end, he's, he's well into his 80s, by the way, when he went into the lion's den. When he went into the lion's den, he was well into his 80s. Here he is at 15 saying, I'm not eating that food and I'm going to stand up and not compromise. And he lived a life all the way up into his 80s, and he's consistently being a transformer, right? So we'll get there in just a second. But these these boys were incredible. You remember the story, of course, of Daniel and his friends are excelling. King Nebuchadnezzar even sees that they are the cream of the crop. And so he puts them in charge of stuff, and, uh, and, and they, they just do amazingly well. And the, the thing that just strikes me again and again as you read the Old Testament, especially uh, uh, when you look at the lives of kings, the ego was uh, like, I don't even know if their head could fit in the church. You know what I mean? The ego of some of these guys was so outrageous. So Nebuchadnezzar, very shortly after Uh, This in chapter 1. In chapter 3, he builds this giant golden idol, right? And and says, everyone has to worship me. You know, I'm the king of the world. I'm the greatest, right? And And then he finds out that there's three young boys who won't bow to his idol. You remember? Right? And this is what, and then they're brought in. I'm just thinking about it's for courage, okay? They're young boys. They're brought into the presence of the king. And this is what they say, Daniel chapter 3, verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego reply, O Nebuchadnezzar, we do not need to defend ourselves before you. 
If we're thrown into the blazing furnace, the God whom we serve is able to save us. He will rescue us from your power, your majesty. Just being polite still. But even if he doesn't, even if he doesn't, we want to make it clear to you, your majesty, that we will never serve your gods or worship the gold statue that you've set up. And then you know the rest of the story, Nebuchadnezzar loses it, right? And, and, uh, and throws the furnace seven times hotter than normal, takes Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, ties them up with the strongest men in his army. The guys who threw them into the fire actually died because the fire was so hot. Nebuchadnezzar is then watching, and Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and the fourth man in the fire, come on, is walking around, and he's blown away that they're not burned. He pulls them out, and they don't even smell like smoke. It's an amazing story. But those three young boys didn't know they were going to be saved from that fire. He said, look, the Lord can save us, but even if he doesn't, we're not bowing down. That, that takes some guts to stand up to say that. Now, Daniel, of course, had become this rising star in the, in the king's court, and he is interpreting dreams, and he's been given more power and more authority and more responsibility. And, and here's another example. In chapter 4, Daniel has to tell the king, Nebuchadnezzar, the king has a dream, and no one knows what the meaning of the dream is. And so he asked Daniel, and Daniel knows what it means, but it actually says he was nervous to tell the king. That's what it says. He was nervous to tell the king what the dream meant. But he finds it in himself. He sort of sucks it up and says, I'm going to tell him anyway. And so he has to tell King Nebuchadnezzar that because of his awful, terrible ego and pride, he's going to lose his mind. You're going to become like a wild animal. You're going to eat grass like a cow. You're going to get rained on in the field. You're going to lose everything because of your pride. Look at what Daniel said to him, uh, Daniel 4, 27. King Nebuchadnezzar, so this is what he says. Please accept my advice. This is a kid, remember. Stop sinning and do what is right. Break from your wicked past and be merciful to the poor. Perhaps then you will continue to prosper. And so I just, I just can't believe he's maybe, he's a few years later, maybe he's in his uh, he's 20-ish or whatever. It, uh, I can't remember the timeline, but it's not that much longer. Daniel's still relatively a young man. And he goes before the king and goes, oh, yeah, by the way, oh, you want to know what your dream means? Uh, you're going to lose your mind and go insane. And if you would heed my advice, maybe you'll prosper. Like, the guy is courageous, to say the least. So this is the point. We could use more courage and less fear in our lives. Somebody said amen. So how do we grow in it? Just a couple of quick points. How can we grow in courage? The, 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 the first one is put your hope and trust in God. And here's just a couple of verses. Psalm 31:24. It says, so be strong and courageous, all you who put your hope in the Lord. There's hope in the Lord. And when you find hope in the Lord, guess what it does to you? It gives you strength and it gives you courage. 
Psalm, uh, the next one, Psalm 56 says, but when I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. I praise God for what he has promised. I trust in God, so why should I be afraid? What can mere mortals do to me? We have got to put our hope and our faith and our trust in him. And when we do, it helps to build courage. It helps to build stability. It helps to give us just that backbone that we need to become the transformer that God's called us to be. It happens the more that we lean into him. Uh, Second, uh, how can we build a little more courage in our lives is we can remember who it is that we serve and we can remember who we are in Christ. Second Timothy 1.7, Paul's encouraging Timothy, the young pastor, and he says, listen, for God's not given us a spirit of fear and timidity, but of power, love, and of self-discipline. Isaiah chapter 41, verse 10. Don't be afraid, for I am with you. Don't be discouraged, for I am your God. I will strengthen you and help you. I will hold you up with my victorious right hand. Joshua 1, 9, he says, This is my command. Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Somebody said amen. It's not just a promise to Joshua child of God. It's yours. He is in you, with you. He is for you, not against you. We have to rise up and be courageous men and women of the Spirit. We must serve him with a passion. We must be the transformative person, not the conforming person that the world pressures us to be. This is who we are in Christ, and it's time. Courage requires will, but you know what it also requires? action. It it requires action. It's not courageous if you don't do anything. I am super courageous when I'm sitting on my lazy boy telling the world what to do as I watch the news. Super courageous. See, Moses called it out of Joshua. It requires will, but it requires action. There's so many great examples. Like Moses called it out of Joshua in Deuteronomy 31 as he's passing the torch just before he he dies and Joshua takes over and he says, be strong and courageous, Joshua, for you will lead these people. You are going to do it. You're going to take these people into the promised land. Be on point with God and be Uh, Just be connected to him, and he will give you the strength and courage. He called it out of Joshua. David called it out of Solomon. Remember our verse in 1 Chronicles 28.20? He says, listen, Solomon, be strong and courageous. And what? Do the work. Do the work. Don't be afraid. God is with you. So listen, I call it out of us today. It's in you, child of God. It's in you. So I call it out of you today 
Be strong and courageous. Do what God has called you to do. When you know that he's asked you to do something, step out and do it. Don't let the world pressure you. Don't let your fear cripple you. Live a life that's worthy of your calling. You're a child of the king filled with the Holy Spirit. He is with you. He is for you. And he is not finished with you yet. Somebody said amen. This is who we are in Christ. That the same power that raised Christ from the dead now lives in me. We have courage in us. Some of us, it's so buried beneath layers and layers of fear and apathy and complacency. But I'm telling you, I'm calling it out of us today. We have got to be people of courage. Daniel was. Second, that's just a sermon right there. I've gone on longer on courage, but I just felt like that somebody needed to hear that today. We, we have walked around with this mamby-pamby, afraid of the world, hiding, cowering, and it's nonsense. We are strong. We are powerful. He is with us. We can do great things. So I just encourage you today, we have to have the courage of Daniel. Second, Daniel had wisdom. Now, I'll do this real quick. In Daniel chapter 1, God says that Dan, he, it, it says that God gave Daniel, it says, an unusual aptitude for understanding, and he gave him an unusual ability to interpret dreams. It was God-given. It wasn't just that Daniel was bright and ate vegetables, okay? It was because God, <laughs> eat vegetables, it's good for you, you know, but, but he, he was given something by God that made him remarkable. He was unusually bright. And it wasn't just knowledge, it was wisdom. Knowledge is one thing. The world is filled with knowledge, but we are sorely lacking in wisdom. So Daniel had wisdom. So yes, he had courage and strength, to say no to the king's food, to stand up to the king when he needed to. But listen, he also had the wisdom to know how to do it. Sometimes it's how you approach the problem that makes the difference. You know this is true. Daniel, think about just the food thing. Daniel is gracious. He's a kid, but he's gracious. It says, the attendant already loved David because he was so remarkable right? So instead of being filled with pride and ego and demanding and yelling and screaming, he's gracious. He just simply excelled in his studies. He acted like a gentleman and he requested that his idea be put to the test for 10 days. He knew what he wanted and he had the wisdom to go about it in the right way. He showed incredible wisdom right from a kid all the way to the end of his days. He was filled, literally filled with wisdom. And so it just reminded me again, it, Daniel had courage and we need courage. Daniel had wisdom and we need wisdom so badly in our day too. How do we grow in wisdom? Just a couple of points real quick. First is we have to listen to other people and be humble. 
listen to other people and be humble. Here's a couple scriptures of Proverbs 4. My father taught me. Who taught you? Who taught you? Your father has something to teach you, people. Listen to your father. My father taught me. Take my words to heart. Follow my commands and you will live. Get wisdom. Develop good judgment. Don't forget my words or turn away from them. Don't turn your back on wisdom for she will protect you. Love her and she will guard you. Getting wisdom is the wisest thing you can do. And whatever else you do, develop good judgment. If you prize wisdom, she will make you great. Embrace her and she will honor you. There's, uh, there's blessing that comes with wisdom. It's, it's people seek wealth and all these other things. And if we sought wisdom, we would, you know, we, if you're wise, you can make a lot of money. If you're wise, you can reach a lot of people. It, wisdom is, that, is, is this powerful, powerful force that we're surely in need of. So listening to others and being humble. James 3.13, uh, put that one up for me. If you're wise and understand God's ways, prove it by living an honorable life, doing works with the humility that comes from wisdom. See, you gain wisdom by listening to people who know things that you don't know. And age sometimes doesn't really factor in, let me just say. Sometimes there's a 15-year-old kid who knows a lot more about something than you do, 60-year-old. And instead of saying, I'm 60, you have to listen to me. Well, there's a lot of things that you know that that 15-year-old doesn't know too. We, we know that. But it goes both ways, Right? If, if, if we're going to grow in wisdom, we have to be willing to humbly listen to other people who know things that we don't know. See, why I read that James verse is understand that wisdom, and I got to move on here, but wisdom and humility are, are interconnected. They are two things that go together. True wisdom leads to humility and true humility leads to wisdom. They are woven together. He said, humility leads to wisdom, and it's very true. They are connected. So, so we have to listen. How do we grow in wisdom? We listen to other people and be humble. Second, we've, we've got just to love God more. And uh, what I mean is this. I Ecclesiastes 2, Solomon wrote these words. He says, God, uh, it says, God says, um, God will give you wisdom. He will give you knowledge, and he will give joy to all those who please him. Uh, Psalm, the psalmist in Psalm 111.10, put it up for me, said, the fear of the Lord is the foundation of true wisdom. All who obey his commandments will grow in wisdom. Praise him forever. There's wisdom that comes with serving God. There's wisdom that comes with loving him, with committing yourself to him. He'll open your eyes to things that you didn't understand before. He'll give you insight into things that you, you, you couldn't perceive before. He brings change, powerful change, into our lives. So it's wise to seek him and to love him. So listen to others, love God, and last, very basic one, we should ask God for it, right? James 1, chapter 5, put it up for me. If you need wisdom... Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. 
Wisdom served Daniel very well his whole life, and it will do the same for us. So let's go after it too. Lastly, Daniel had devotion. Daniel had devotion. So we see right from a young age, Daniel was devoted. He's fully committed to the Lord. Now multiple kings have come and gone, and now Daniel is well into his 80s, probably around 85-ish, give or take. A little, maybe a little younger, maybe a little older, but let's say 85. And he's still fully committed and fully, fully devoted to God. Here he is, Daniel chapter 6, verse 1. Darius the Mede, he's now the new king that Daniel is serving under. And he's still working, by the way, at 85, just throwing that out there. Because he's remarkably smart, right? Anyway, Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom in 120 provinces, and he appointed a high official to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and to protect the king's interest. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began searching for some fault in the way Daniel was handling government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn. He was faithful, responsible, and trustworthy. So they concluded our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be in connection with the rules of his religion. See, his devotion to God is so clean and so clear and so well known, even the guys that hate him know what he is and who he serves and the devotion that he has. Everything else, the guy is sickeningly perfect. We can't find anything. Just imagine, you can't find anything to criticize Daniel about. Just wrap your head around that for a moment. If I was looking for, if I was looking at your life with a critical eye, could I find anything to criticize you about? Pretty sure I could, and you could find lots on me. They can't find anything on the guy. All they see is that he's faithful, he's remarkable, he's amazing, he's responsible, he's trustworthy, he's just too good. He stands out as remarkably different in a corrupt age. And so listen, they're envious and they don't want the old man promoted over them. It's clear. It's very clear. They don't want him promoted over them. He's an old man. He's a Jew. He's, we can't have this. And so the only way they're going to trip Daniel up is, is if they can get King Darius to do something in regards to laws that would restrict or hinder Daniel from operating in his religion. And so that's what they did. And by the way, they tricked King Darius into making this law, again, that for 30 days, everybody has to worship only him. Again, they take advantage of a king whose ego could barely fit in the room and says, King, why don't we make a new rule and say, everyone has to just worship you for 30 days? And he's like, sounds good to me. Let's do it. 
Like, could you imagine? It's just so ridiculous. But that's what he did. And so he puts this law into place. For 30 days, everybody only has to worship, anyone can only worship him. And if you don't, then you're thrown into the lions. So Darius, by the way, realizes that he was fooled, but it was too late. He couldn't go back on his word. Once he, he did it and it was a sealed sort of thing, he couldn't, even the king couldn't break this law. It said Darius was sick. He was just sick with what he had done. He knew how amazing Daniel was. And it said uh, he couldn't sleep, he couldn't eat. He was just sick knowing that, uh, that he was fooled into, uh, in, into being so arrogant and foolish. So Daniel chapter 6, verse 10 Here's, here's, uh, I want to just say this. This is courage and its devotion sort of wrapped in, wrapped together. But when Daniel learned, but when Daniel learned, don't miss that, okay? He already knew that the law had been signed. He went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows closed, open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, morning, noon, and night, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Then the officials went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking for God's help. Terrible thing to be praying and asking for God's help. He's a, such a man of courage. He's such a man of devotion that he would not change his habit of praying. Think about this, okay? The man has prayed for 80 plus years, okay? 80 plus years. So with the threat of death, do you think he could maybe say, Lord, could I take a 30-day holiday? Just take a 30-day holiday. I'll get right back to the three times a day as soon as this nonsense is over. No, he could have done that, right? He, he could have chosen a private room, he goes up into his room up above where he can clearly be seen and then he opens the windows so that there's no doubting what Daniel is doing. He does it three times a day. He's done it for 85 plus years and he's not about to change it and he doesn't care what King Darius' son said or did. This is remarkable devotion. He could have left the city. He could have done anything. He could have found a way to pray and not been caught but he did not want to change. He had formed a holy habit. And by the way, everyone's always yelling and screaming for change. Let me just say this. Sometimes it's good not to change. And here's one. He had formed a holy habit. I pray morning, noon, and night, and I'm not changing. God's been with me for 85 plus years. I'm good to keep doing this no matter what. That's remarkable. So, he had developed this life of devotion to the Lord every single day. And we must develop this life of devotion outside of Sunday too. Serving God is not just coming to church. It's not just watching a service online, folks. It's Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. It's every day living for God and being devoted to him. We must develop that too. It really matters, by the way, your devotion to God. It really matters when things start to get difficult. Have you ever noticed? 
See, there's going to, things are going to come. In this world, we will have trouble. It's going to come our way. And so how devoted are we? How committed are we? How locked into God are we? How is our faith? How is our trust? It matters when things get difficult. It, it's Daniel turned his face towards Jerusalem. Let me just say this, that our outlook will determine our outcome a lot of times. And, and his look, his, his look was always to the Lord. He turns his face towards Jerusalem, giving thanks every day, three times a day, and asking God to help him, to bless him, to strengthen him, to give him wisdom. And if we turn our face towards Jesus every day, we can trust him with our problems too. It's a great holy habit to develop. Now, you know the rest of the story. Daniel saved. And after he's lifted out of the pit, King Darius makes this little statement. You can read it in uh, Daniel chapter 6. But he says, basically, he says three things. The God of Daniel, he says, this God is alive this God reigns, and this God rescues. And I thought, if there was one thing you finally got right, Darius, you got it right there. Daniel's God lives, Daniel's God reigns, and Daniel's God rescues. He finally got that right. So listen, now we've got to wrap up. Dare to be a Daniel. You know, we, we used to call it a little kid's song. It's more than a kid's song. You know the words, dare to be a Daniel, dare to stand alone, dare to have a purpose firm, and dare to make it known. I dare you. I dare us. I dare us to pray. I dare us to have the courage, to have the wisdom to have the devotion, the honesty, the integrity, the character of Daniel. And whatever our circumstances are, and whatever may come our way, we can overcome, we can flourish, we can be transformers with the power of the Spirit because God is with us, he is for us, and he will help us, strengthen us, and bless us. The more that we lean into him, the more power we will find. Amen? Finding more power than I've ever dreamed. I'm learning to lean on Jesus. Lean into Jesus. And I dare us all to be Daniels. As we wrap up today, if you're at home watching or wherever you may be and you're watching online, if you don't know the Lord, it's always your first step. It, it, it must be the step that you take. You can't know the God of Daniel until you know the God of Daniel. His name is Jesus. He came to this earth to die on a cross for you. And if you would give your life to him, he would start transforming you into a better version of yourself. He will help you with your fear. He will help you with your worry. He will give you unbelievable strength and blessing. You will enter into a new family and a new world when you find God. He is great and greatly to be praised. And so I just encourage you, wherever you are and you're watching online today, if, if you would just give God a chance, God loves you so much. And if you would just turn your face towards him, you'll find that he'll 
he'll come running to you with open arms. And so I challenge you and encourage you, don't just write off Jesus as nothing. Jesus is not nothing. He's the Son of God, the Savior of the world, the soon and coming King. Amen? And one day, one great day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. But the real blessing comes to those who bow early and say, I bow now and recognize your Lord. Come and change me. Help me. Save me. Forgive me. Make me into a better person. And you'll find that he will. Let's stand together as we close today. If you're here uh, in our live service and you would just say, I'm not going to embarrass anybody, but if, if you're here and you would just say, I, I could use a little bit more of the spirit of Daniel in my life. I could use a little more courage. I could use a little more wisdom. I could use a little more devotion, anything. Would you just be honest enough just to raise your hand, not to me, but just to the Lord. If there's something that I've said today that's just triggered in you, that you know you're short of that, you could use more of that. Let's just put up our hands. My hand is up too, by the way, because I'm short. I, I need more of all of them. I want more courage. I want more wisdom. And I want more devotion. I, I want more, Lord. And Father, you see our hands that are raised, all of us. And we ask you today, Father, that you would just deal with us individually as best, Lord, as, as you see fit. All of our needs are different. All of our, Lord, uh, issues are different. All of our struggles are different. But thank you that, Lord, you love us and thank you that you know us better than we know ourselves. You made us. And so we ask you today, Lord, that you would pour courage into our lives in a greater measure. Pray, Lord, that you would help us to stop being conformed and help us to be transformed. Lord, and not just, in, not just us, but transformers bring change into their situation. So Lord, help us to be transformers and give us the courage to do what you've called us to do. Lord, may we lean on you for wisdom and may we, Lord, develop holy habits of devotion that when times of challenge and difficulty come, we have built a strong foundation on which we can stand. Father, our house has been built on the rock and not on the sand. And so when the wind blows, we will not be blown over. And so I pray today, Lord, for all of us that you would encourage us, challenge us, and deepen our walk with you. Lord, if there's anyone online that's watching that doesn't know you, Holy Spirit, we ask you, they would click that prayer button. They would reach out. They would, they would say, Lord, come into my life and change me. Save me. I am in need of a Savior. Lord, touch somebody who's going to watch this online. And may your name be glorified and your name be praised. We bless you and thank you and love you, Lord, today. God's people said amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Stovall Pentecostal Church Audio Podcast more information about Stovall Pentecostal Church, including service times, please visit our website at www.spcfamily.ca. Have a good week and God bless.